Episode 73, Everyone is Afraid, a fable of fear, friendship, and flourishing. Welcome to the story in your head. I'm Ron Macklin, and today Deb and I discuss my new book, Everyone is Afraid. We explore why I wrote the book and who it's for. We dive into how fear is a shared human experience and how we can reduce the power our fears hold over us. Welcome to the story in your head. Today, Ron and I are going to do something a little different. And today, we are going to talk about Ron's book. Ron just recently published a book called Everyone is Afraid. And Ron, I don't think this is the first book that you wrote. It's not. It is not the first book that I wrote. But we didn't get to see the other book. No, no, that's, uh, it was, uh, how do you say that? Maybe when I'm famous in the world and I'm gone and they'll find the transcript and go, here's the original book you wrote. And, and everybody will go, yeah, we'll buy it, but it's not that good. The, and the reason is it was a book about how I discovered. I mean, it's like factual stuff, details, like how I discovered what I discovered and what I tried and experiments I ran and all that stuff. And it's, it's boring. Mm. In my mind, it was, it was, it was like details, right? It, like if, if you were somebody who was looking back in history and you're looking through all the stuff they went through to get there, it'd be a pretty, pretty interesting story, but it doesn't, it didn't fulfill on the effects that I was looking for, which was to help people discover what I discovered. I just told them how I discovered it. And I knew when I was starting to write it, I go, cause I've told people what I've discovered before and it never worked. Like, like you just say, well, I did this and I did this and I did this and they go, uh, I don't know what to do with that. Wait, you so uh, like I heard a couple things there. So you you've tried telling people, and then I heard the word discovery. Yeah, you have to like we as humans, when we are learning, it's because there's outside things coming in, right? And that perturbs us in a way that we discover something. Like it, it, we don't actually learn from the outside world. We make connections inside of ourselves, and then we build the stories inside of ourselves, and we discover. Oh my God, that, that, that that's me, or that work or, well, that's cool, right? Those are the space when you like, even when you're a little kid and you figure out math, right? you go, oh, like, it's not the teacher told it to you. That's not how you learn. It's when you went and ran the experiments and went, there it is. I discovered how to do how that works, and I told people for a long time, this is what I do, and just like like if like if I read the instruction manual to them, like they would they would be able to do it, and it never worked. I mean, it never worked. In fact, I kind of, there was a long time I sat in the space where I went, I guess I'm just a weird guy that this is like, this is, it works for me, right? But it doesn't work for other people. And I was kind of got used to that. I was okay with that um, until there was a moment in time when somebody said, I'd really like to learn that. And so then I go, well, how do people learn? And then I figured out the process for how people learn, not just, not just what the Macla method is, but how people learn. So that I could present it in a way that people could learn. Can I ask you another, like for our listeners, you said like this, you use the word this and that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what is the this and the that that you're bringing forth in this, in this book? The book gives people a space to discover that everybody is afraid. And there's a method that you can use to connect with people who are also afraid. Like there's a space that, let's see if I would describe this. 
there's, there's a space where you can discover that being afraid can makes you actually more connectable because you're connecting with somebody else who's afraid. And when you can both talk about the, your fears and your spaces, the fears don't go away. You know, like this is not about getting rid of the fears. It's about being able to talk about them and take away the power that fears have on us, but we still have our fears. So that, that's what the book does. That's my intent of the book. That's my commitment inside of the book. And the first one was just telling. I was like, instead of someplace for people to discover, so there's a discovery zone that we, like when you read the book, you, you read through and you go, wow, yeah, that's me. Or, ooh, I've been that. Or, uh, I felt that before. And to know that it's not just you, that there's something wrong with you, but there's something normal about you because you're afraid. And then you can connect and talk about them. And that's powerful. When I tried to tell people what it did in the first book, it was just me telling them. Mm. And we don't, humans don't like that. We don't work that well being told what to do. All you got to do is tell, tell kids, tell us what you got to do. And then they'll figure out how not to do it. <laughs> I, how, how I listen to that is it's fun to discover. It is fun. Creative. Do you, do you like to discover stuff? I love to discover stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's not like watching discovery channel and you go, Oh, there's that thing out there. As you go, Oh, and I could try that over here. And then you run an experiment and you go, oh, that's how that works. Got it. Now we discovered and we used it and now we're different. And that's why how I why I created the book that I created. That's why it's a parable. Although we call it a fable because most people understand what a fable is. I've just watched people who wrote parables. They always call them fables. So we called it a fable. And how did you come up with the characters that you wanted in this book? Where do those drive from? <laughs> I'm not going to say where they came from because <laughs> those people should be protected from. Oh, I uh, got it. Right? Okay. Okay. Yeah. So like they had original names like alpha and beta and theta and I, I got inside there because I didn't want any tied back to any one person. And the reality, most of the characters are a combination of people that I've met and work with in life. Hmm. Right? Like we've gone through things together. Those who have passed at an early age, those who kept fighting to do it their way or the best way they knew how and not talking about their fears. And so a lot of them are me. A lot of them are a lot of my friends, a lot of my peers, coworkers, some people who are close to my age, some people much older than me, some people much younger than me. That's where I brought those characters from. Hmm. But don't, don't worry, guys. I got you back. We're not going to talk about you. <laughs> we're, we're not going to recognize the names when we notice ourselves in every one of them. Yeah. Well, that's kind of, yeah, that's, the space was to create characters that enabled people to connect to. So there's sometimes people who've read it recently, right? They come back and go, yeah, I saw myself in every one of those characters. I go, I got it. And that's not where we drew them from. But that is like the space we've created it to where you could relate to it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm thinking about it sitting on like let's just say I'm in the airport and it's sitting on the shelf and it says everyone is afraid and I'm 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 going <laughs> up there and I'm looking around to see if anybody's looking at me so I can quickly buy it and put it in a brown paper bag. Yeah. Like why'd you title it? Everyone's afraid. That's true. I mean I envisioned 
what words would be on if it was sitting at a book stack at Costco? Right. You know, so you know, you got, you got your cart there. You got some stuff in your cart, and you're standing there. You're looking down. And you go. Everyone's afraid. And then you first you look to the left, and you look to the right. And you go. Nope. None of my family's around. Nobody else that knows me. You kind of reach down and pick it up, put it under the jeans, <laughs> but above the yogurt, right? And off to the checkout you go to. And there's a certain step of courage to pick up the book. Like mm-hmm. it, it's not, it's not like it's all funny and ha ha. And, and, and you, you, you know, it, it takes an act of courage to reach out and grab that book. But that's the first step for all of us is to, to, to look at our fears. And it takes courage to do that. And once you have looked at it and you can notice that not only is it you, but it's everybody, it's peaceful. It's really a wonderful space to be. And what I wrote the book and I didn't set out to say, oh, I want to write a book. I, I was the engineering student who took engineering, not because he loved engineering, but because it had the least amount of English of anything <laughs> that was offered, right? I don't know that I really loved engineering either, but I didn't have any desire to write a book. And when I had several people who said, you need to write a book about this. And I go, why do I need to write a book? Because I try to tell people about what I'm learning. and I don't have the words. Like I don't, mm. know how to, I don't know how to tell them what I'm doing. And if you had a book, I could just hand them the book, right? I think that's probably where I got misguided at the first part was like, well, I'll just, I'll just tell them like, you know, I felt my fallback, right? I'll just tell them, right? Here, here's how I did it. And about halfway through that, I go, I, I this is not going to work. Like it, it won't work for my purpose. And my purposes are for anybody who's gone through our program or anybody who finds it, they can read it and get something to understand what it is we're up to. Because when I read a book that's a academic book, it, it, it's hard to turn pages. Like, it, oh, it's just mm-hmm. painful to turn the pages, right? But if I get a story that gets me engaged in the story and I'm learning as I go, I forget that I'm learning and I'm just being in the story. So that's why we chose the, the fable format because you can get into that format and you forget about all that stuff and you forget that, that, you know, that you're afraid you, you can, right? but you still go, I'm afraid, but no, I don't want anybody to know I'm afraid. And that's the, that's the, that's the, the danger is when you go, there's something wrong with me because I'm afraid. There's nothing wrong with you that you're, we're afraid. And this story format allows people to actually notice that they're not alone, that they're afraid. Yeah, it makes me wonder why, why do we all act like we're the only one, though? Why do, why do we think that? You know, that's probably a, a great question for, you know, people who are trained in this domain, psychologists, psychiatrists, whatever they are, in this, this space, right? This is how it occurred to me. I spent most of my, and I, I watched me do it to my own kids, right? Uh, I spent most of my time telling them things not to do. That's wrong. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. And not enough time going like, that was good. That was good. That was good. And so we kind of end up in a space where we have this common bombardment of where we can't do it. Like, like every time we tried something, it was wrong. It was bad. And we end up in a space where we were afraid to, to try. We're afraid to do anything. And we also learned that if, if you show weakness, the other kids will pick on you. Hmm. So you build your shields up. I can remember being in fifth and sixth grade. Now, there was a time in there where I grew about eight inches, now six and a half inches in the summer. So I, I, I didn't leave and come back as the same looking person. 
short and round, and I had to learn to defend myself. And I learned sarcasm. And I learned, at the time it was called cutting people down or doing anything. I learned how to defend myself because people were attacking me, right? And I was, I built my shields up mm. like in school to protect myself, right? And then I came back uh, taller, l- longer, taller, leaner, uh, 10 pounds lighter and an athlete and I started to play sports and all that. And, but I never forgot that little kid that was in fifth and sixth grade or fourth grade that was uh, round and shy and scared and had to build all those protections to do all that. So we, we did that. I, I did that. And, and what I did was I thought I was the only one. And I was the only short, fat kid, right? So I was the one who did that. Nobody else was that. Comes a moment where all of a sudden you realize, holy crap, I'm not the only one doing this. Mm. Dr. Yurko had a, had a big presence in, in my space when, when, when he pointed that out. And I, I could have, you could have put me together with a bunch of my friends and say, are they all afraid to? Yeah, they're all afraid. But to put me in a, a conference room with a bunch of the top business people from the Kansas City area, and every one of them had their hands up saying, yes, I'm afraid. And yes, I think there's something wrong with me that I'm afraid. I mean, that made it clear to me, my whole world shifted at that moment. Like, I'm on a new quest. How is this normal for us? Mm-hmm. And, and how can we make this a point to where we can connect? How, we, how can we make a better life for the fact that we're all afraid? And over the last 25 years, Deb, I've, I've found over and over again, when I meet somebody who I, I consider to be a powerful, like they live a successful life, they talk about their fears all the time. People, yeah, I just barely know them, and they start talking about their fears. They're not like, like, oh, I'm afraid of this thing. They go, no, I was afraid of this, and I was afraid of that, and I was this. You know, they just, it's just part of their conversation because they still are afraid. They can just talk about their fears, and it's okay. So writing the book was created for, uh, for the purpose of those who, who I know who want to share this with other people and give them a way to do it. That's why it starts out with an introduction with, from Dr. Yurko, the guy who started, started that journey 30 years ago, has my, my whole fable inside there. And at the end, we give them the, the seven steps of the process so that they can begin to start the journey on their own. If they want to, they want to come through the program, they want to bring them into the business, we can help you with all that. But it's a space where hopefully they can you know, see the steps and see the steps in the action and then they can actually make a difference for themselves. Are you looking to strengthen your relationships, whether personally or professionally? You want to learn how to build authentic connections faster or perhaps you're looking to beat employee burnout through the power of connection. My name is Ron Macklin, founder of Macklin Connection. And in our workshops, we teach you the fundamentals of how to do exactly that and more. To learn more of the power of your relationships, visit us at MacklinConnection.com. Yeah, that's great, Ron. You, you've you've made me notice, you know, that we all have fears, and that being vulnerable about that is not bad. Like no, normally, I mean, I think about history books, right? You you learn, oh, this is where they had weaknesses or vulnerabilities, right? On the right flank of the of the army, that's where they were vulnerable. And so it was always used as a term of like, oh, I don't want to show that because someone that's where someone could attack me. And what I'm listening to you saying is, once you expose that, 
it's no longer a place where someone can attack you because you know it exists. You mm-hmm. you like bring it into existence. I'm speculating. I'm not, I'm not a military strategist. A vulnerability is only a weakness when you don't know it. Mm. When you're vulnerable someplace, but you don't know it and can't talk about it, it's a weakness. But if you have a vulnerable spot in your defense and you know where it is, not a weakness because you know where it's at. You know what to do to counter it. Like it, and I, I grew up the same way. Vulnerability, bad, right? It is bad, mm-hmm. right? And vulnerability is power because you know where your weaknesses are. You know where you're afraid. You can talk about it. Other people can talk about it. And it's like you can deal with it. You can move with it. You can share stories. You can laugh about it. You can, all those things you can do. But if you keep it hidden, your vulnerabilities, they'll eat you alive. They are your weakness. And that's, what I saw was when I was even a, a fifth, sixth grade, my weight was a, a, a weakness. I, and when somebody came into attack there, ooh, I was like, I was, I was devastated. I was really injured. Hmm. No, that's, that's really good. <laughs> I think about how this book will impact others because it's not, it's not easy to look at yourself. It's like, especially if you've had, Oh, I've had years of building up my shields, right? <laughs> so they are really good. Like uh, uh, I'm thinking of the Princess Bride and the night, you know, the the night at the end when they're all having the scenes and the the armor that's standing there. And I'm thinking, yeah, I, I pretty much built that up. So it was difficult to take a look at myself in the context of this book and to see vulnerabilities that some some I already noticed, and then some like it was hard to look at. What if it becomes easy to look at our vulnerabilities? If we can look at them and not have them devastate us, because they can devastate me. They have. That's my stand. We can, everybody's afraid. We can speak about our vulnerabilities. We can talk about them. And it becomes easier to do that. Do you remember being in a room with Monty when he talked about what was going wrong with him? Mm-hmm. He didn't have any mm-hmm. problem talking about his, where he was vulnerable, did he? No, he didn't. Nope. It, it wasn't like a big deal or a production. He goes, there's this thing, there's this thing, there's this thing, and I can't do that, and I'm dying. And he went like, got it. When you can look at your own vulnerabilities and go, yes, that's them, and they don't have any effect on you, that's power. And the goal of the book is to let everybody to, to see that, to be open to that. Yeah, one of the things I mentioned in a previous podcast, I wish I would have read the book when I was a lot younger because I notice I notice some of the characters getting caught up in the culture, right? The culture of I don't want to look like I'm afraid and or, you know, I'm I'm supposed to work, 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 work long hours and spend little time with my family, but that's just the way things are. And all of those kind of things get revealed to the characters in the book. Right? I'm not trying to be a spoiler here, but the, like how they notice their life and the circumstances around which they notice their life and what they're doing that they aren't really happy about. Did you have a revelation like that in your life where there was a time where you, you, you saw yourself in these characters and said, I need to change? Yeah, many of those. I'll share one, which was when our oldest was just learned, he had just learned to walk. I was traveling still quite a bit. And normally Connie always showed up at the airport with the van, you know, 
the white van. I'd be looking for the white van, looking to the left, white van, white van comes up. I jump in, where we go. And I look to my right, and there's this little blonde headed kid. You know, little kids don't walk smooth, they kind of bounce. You know, boom, 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 boom. This little kid walking at me, and I go, oh my God, that's a cute. Oh my God, that's my kid. I'd been gone for three weeks, and he changed. Mm. I looked up, there was Connie and all that. And that was the last job I went on. Yeah. And for the longest time, when I come home, you know, or Garrett would run up an attack. Eh, dad's home. You know, and, and Lauren and Brennan would go, he comes home every night. What's the big deal? <laughs> right. But that was not that way for Garrett. Right. And he, mm-hmm. uh, what is it? Where's your, where somebody asked him, where's your daddy work? He, he works at the airport. Cause that's where he, Drop me off, and that's where he picked me up, right? And so, yeah, yeah, pretty substantial. To, sh- to shift, to go, and I thought, you know, the the more I worked, the more money I made, the more promotions I got, the more space I got, all that kind of stuff, would then someday I'd have the, the family life. And I wasn't there for the first year of his life. Always there. Now, to fully accurate, right? From about mid-February to May 1st, I'd be gone, and then September I'd be gone. But I had the whole summer's home. But it was one of, during one of those fall seasons outages that I was in Virginia that I came home. That was the last one. Yeah, you really, you made me think about the, you know, I'll be happy when, or I'll be the conditional of, okay, if I just have all my money and I just do all the thing and I get the promotion and the title and all the, oh, okay, then, then I'll be happy. But Time isn't stopping for any of that. Like my kids, same thing, right? Grew up and you look around, you're like, wow, like if I, if I wait to be happy when those possibilities might not even be there when I, when I get there. Well, there'll be different possibilities, but there won't be the ones that you had. Mm-hmm. And then there's also this base of, I got a, a review that even though I was very successful and, and, as a project manager, and the people who worked for me valued and wanted to work with me, a review I got that I hadn't done anything to build trust with any of the other managers. Like, I, I go, I got it. You take care of your team, but these other guys over here, they, they don't know whether to trust you or not. Hmm. And they was just going like, you mean setting world records and and high performance rewards and uh, customer acknowledgements? That, that's not enough to build trust. Like that's what my goal was. I just, I didn't set up like how do I build trust with that person? I didn't do it. It's in a book too. Mm. And when you can build trust, as in I can trust them, not like I like oh they're finally good enough I can trust them. No, I trust them and become a partner in that. It opened up a whole new world. That's amazing. And and there's more in the book, a lot more, right? Well, and how special was it for you to have Dr. Bowen White write the intro for you? That was uh. Shout out to Bowen. I was lucky. I mean, it was really lucky. I, I, as you know, we, we teach the unapproachables, right? You have to go out and talk to your unapproachables. So uh, Bowen, who I, t- I tell the story many times, but the, I'd never had a conversation with him since then. So I go, well, I should reach out. So about three years ago, three and yeah, probably three and a half years ago, actually before the pandemic, I sent him a LinkedIn request, told him like how I met him and all that kind of stuff. Right. And it just, it just languished, right? It just, just, and he told me later, he goes, I, I did that for a little bit, but then I forgot about it. And then, I don't know, about five, six months ago, he was, he was 
on a holiday in France with his one of his daughters, and he, he checked his LinkedIn, and, and there was this there was this post that I put up three and a half years earlier, and he replied back to it and goes, "If I hadn't been in France hanging out with my daughter, you made my day." So I responded back, and I was going like, "I was blown away." Three and a half years later, right? And I go, you, "Shall we meet for coffee?" And he goes, "Yeah, where, where do you live?" I go, "I'm in Overland Park." Me, really? Me too. So we got together and started a conversation about all the stuff that happened and where we've been. And now I, we get together a couple times a month. There's so much we have in common. We, the journey was similar, right? And then when I, I, I don't know, maybe it was you who came up with the idea. I don't know who came up with the idea to, to ask him, but when we asked him to write the, the intro, he said yes. So it's pretty cool because he's in, like he shaped, helped shape part of my life, pretty significant part. And, and he told a very vulnerable story. It's a, it's a great story. Thank you. Well, I, yeah, how I hear is he helped shape the stories in your head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. And, and he, even though he made that, that's the same story, he said it many times. He had no idea until I reached out that the difference he had made with me. Mm, that's awesome. How many times do we have somebody who makes a difference for us, but we don't take the time or the energy or be vulnerable enough to let people know the difference they've made. That's part of being on your, you know, finding your unapproachables and go find them, talk to them. Truth is they're, they're looking for you too. As I get the, the replies back from people reading it, it's, it's, it's going, nobody ever knows. Right. But you, you put your stuff into it, you put it out there. And then when it comes back exactly as you wanted it, to, you put it out there. That's, it feels pretty nice. That'd be better when we have, you know, 500 book sales, but, more importantly, that people read it and get something out of it. Yeah, it, I, I have someone in mind that I want to gift it to that I, I would say is a lot like my younger self. Kind of gave up, that's a bad, you know, gave up his family is what I was going to say, but prioritized everything over his family in it, thinking that it was a noble thing that he was doing, right? To make the money, to take care of the family. But I'm not sure how he'll receive it it might be really hard for him to, to read it. You mean like he, the words are too big or something or what do you mean it's too hard? No, it might be hard for him to notice because he's still in it. Yeah. He's still in the story of this is what I got to do. My stand Deb, is when, when people are in it, like they're too, too immersed inside of it. The metaphor is just dropping seats, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And they may be one of my favorite ones. This guy, he goes, I heard what you said, blah, 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 blah. And then I was driving down a road two and a half months later, and I, I, I came around this corner, and my whole world shattered, and I could see what I was doing. But if you didn't drop the seed, it wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. So the the fact that the horse sets the pace or the they, they got to come up with it their own time and they got to make their background of obviousness come up with it, that's just normal. What's your stand? My stand is to toss those lines. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And whatever happens, happens. And they they are the ones that are doing it. We're not doing it. Like we, we, we have a stand. We t- drop the seeds. We toss the lines. All of that's true. And when it happens, when they're driving down the road, Rounding a corner and there, he says, my world shattered, right? No, I didn't. You just made up a new story. But that's them making up the new story. 
It wasn't mm-hmm. us. Because mm-hmm. they have to discover things. Sometimes you have to let yourself calm down enough to be distracted so you can discover things. I think that's what I hold as one of the main purposes of play is to keep your foreground busy doing something and your background can go do something. So you can be thinking or whatever it is that you're, yeah. Well, Ron, this is, I, I can't wait for our listeners to read the book. Is there is there one kind of final thing that you'd like people to take away or just like something you'd like people to know about the book? That's, that's a great question. To, to like enjoy being in the book, like when you're going through it, right? There have been spaces where people go, I cried several times. My story is I can't read it yet and I haven't cried when I go through it. And that's because we all have those fears. And if you cry, you're normal. And it's just a part of who we are, right? And so don't, like, embrace it. Enjoy it, right? Send me a note, right? Send me a note, email all that stuff's inside the book. Don't hesitate to reach out and, and, and have fun. And then talk to somebody about the book. Not like, here's this book. You need to read it. No, talk to them about the book. Said, I read this book, and this was me. And I don't think I ever really had the words for it until I read this book and then talk about you and what you discovered as you went through that book. Make it okay for somebody else to talk about their fears by talking about your own. And then you'll never forget the book. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Ron. And thank you for creating the space for us to discover that we're okay, even though we're afraid that it's normal. And it just means we're human. We're normal. We're human. Thank you, Deb. Well, thanks everybody for listening and look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. At Macklin Connection, we believe making authentic connections with others can literally change your world. We invite you to share this podcast with one person that you care about. Maybe it's someone you haven't spoken with in a really long time and you'd love to reconnect. Or maybe it's the first person that popped into your head when you listened to this podcast because you thought it would be perfect for them. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.